We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank. Up next, the latest on the K-State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Manbeck, who will get you caught up on all things Wildcats from a collective perspective that can't be found anywhere else. The latest news, the top stories, and an insider perspective to keep you in the know. Three Maw is proudly presented by 360 Vodka. And now, let's begin the show. Welcome into another edition of Three Ma. I am John Kurtz, joined by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former B-Rider for the Manhattan Mercury. It's been a minute, it feels like, since we've all been here talking to you, uh, spacing things out a little bit, mourning the basketball season, but now we're turning to the exciting basketball stuff, and that is the transfer portal uh, portal season. And I'm as excited about this portal season as I have in any era of K-State basketball recruiting since it was the, for those back in the uh, Go Ema days, like the great coat, Gur coat, uh, whatever you want to call it, days, Michael Beasley, Bill Walker, Herb Pope almost coming, OJ Mayo almost coming, Dewan Blair almost coming, Kevin Love mentioning K-State and recruiting articles back in that sort of era, people. And I'm excited here to talk about it today, which of course we will do so thanks to the help of Holiday Distillery. Make sure that you get your Ben Holiday bottled in Bond Bourbon, your 360 Vodka, uh, whatever your poison of choice is, go get it from uh, Holiday Distillery, our friends there who are great K-State people that help us out here on the pod. So support those who support us. Once again, Ben Holiday bottled in Bond Bourbon and 360 Vodka. All right, a lot has happened. Uh, I'm pretty sure the last time we did a pod, the three of us together, it was right before Ish Masood announced that he was entering the transfer portal. Um, K-State has not officially landed anybody in the portal yet, but we have a pretty good idea, I think, of some of the main targets. Um, D.Y., since you've been the one, like, in the trenches on this, just how would you summarize what the first couple of weeks of the K-State basketball offseason have been like here? Uh, gone to plan, right? No real surprises. I know some were kind of stunned by the uh, Ishmael news, but that, that was what I kind of foresaw happening just because you know, the only holdover alongside with him was Marquise Noel that was no longer going to be at Kansas State. So the, the scenery just wasn't what he initially signed up for, right? And then at the end of the day, if you add to that the fact that his role wasn't going to change, it, it wasn't going to be diminished, but they see him more as a, a spot-up shooter that'll get you 
you know, 10 to 15 minutes a game. Um, if it's really clicking, maybe you can get up to 25 minutes on, on some nights. And I think at the end of the day, he just wanted to be on the floor more. And Jerome Tank wasn't going to deliver on a promise that he couldn't, you know, not deliver on a promise he couldn't keep. So he wasn't going to, you know, sell Ishmael on something that he wasn't certain that he could 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 give him, and he wanted him to have what he wanted for his final year. So, yeah, like a mutual parting of ways, and at the end of the day, kept the door slightly cracked open. Although I don't think he'll be walking back through it. Well, that I mean, that was the thing, Cole. I loved about it. Is it? I mean, I don't love. Look, I love Ishmael. I will always have fond feelings of Ishmael, and if he came back. If that were what's going to happen, totally would welcome him back. And I, you know, I love a guy who can shoot 40% for three uh, on the volume that Ish was shooting there. But it provided another opportunity for Jerome Tang to get out there and say the perfect thing. Like when he did the the press conference and he talked about um, Ish and having like a real honest conversation with him. Like, hey, this is where we see things going. Your role is probably not going to change much from being a guy who played 15 minutes a game this year. I mean, that's an easy thing to forget with how... Um, the huge moments they had at the end of the season. But, you know, there were times where he was not playing a whole lot um, throughout this year. And Ish is a guy who's been around for a long time, probably wants to get that opportunity to play more. And, and has earned, you know, with his star being as bright as it is right now, has earned the opportunity and probably will have some opportunities out there. But to have that conversation with him and be like, hey, I don't hold it against you. You can still come back if things work out. I mean, it was just, again, Tang hits all the right notes. Like, it was the perfect amount of, like, respect, honesty, and just loving a guy that has done a lot for you without being completely beholden to him at the expense of your roster. I mean, Tang, Tang just, he kills it, man. He kills it every time he has that sort of option. I thought it was a fantastic answer and response that he made in the media about Ish and just respect the heck out of the way he goes about this because a lot of coaches this day and age, I mean, they deceive the player, right? They, they keep them, they're not upfront and they're not honest with them. And We've known from day one when Jerome Tang arrived on campus, when he inherited some of the players that Bruce Weber um, had brought in, he was honest with these guys and what their roles would be. He was honest with the guys that came in that redshirted this year, the Taj Mannings, the Jarrell Colberts, Anthony Thomas, and what their roles would be and wanted to have that open dialogue and conversation up front into what their role would be on the team and if they kind of leave the decision up to them if they want to redshirt or not. And in this day and age, you have to be honest and transparent with kids because of the transfer portal. You have to be upfront because if you lie, if you deceive them, it can tear apart the locker room and it also can just lead to to numerous guys leaving. So the transparency that Jerome Tang goes about this, the way that he talks to his players uh, in a respectful tone, and it was a, a very mutual parting of ways. You could see that. I mean, the love on social media from both the coaching staff to Ish and Ish to the coaching staff and uh, sharing photos, Ish still working out in the, the facilities, et cetera. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a really great response from Jerome Tang and wish Ish the best. I mean, obviously some huge moments that he had this season. You think about the Baylor game in Waco, think about the Michigan State game and those huge shots in the garden moments that we'll never forget. Um, so, and and a fun personality too. Uh, Ish in front of the mic is pretty good as well. So, Wish Ish the best. Hopefully he can, I don't know if he wants to go back closer to home, but hopefully he can find that role where he gets 25, 30 minutes a game and I hope he lights it up. Uh, Ish or RJ Garcia on the mic? Who do you Who do you prefer? RJ Garcia. Ish. Oh, man. Ooh, okay. All right. Um, here's So RJ has, I feel like, 
he had to do it at a time where our attention wasn't completely focused on basketball. Like with Ish, it was like I was gobbling up any content and RJ is great. Um, I think RJ is like a little better at it, but Ish had the like capturing our hearts in the middle of the tournament run, which there's nothing like that. So I, I can understand the split there. I'm just going to ride the fence. Love you guys both. Love you guys both. Would love to get RJ Garcia on the pod here to school us all. In fact, I mean, I would just offer up my co-host spot here. I could just listen to RJ Garcia um, <laughs> twice a week talk to you guys. Like, oh, that's an official offer. I'll just, I'll just go ahead and put that. Up. I don't want, I don't want RJ Gorilla Dy and I. Like, I mean, he'll dig up background information on us and uh, and come at us. RJ Garcia reaches out to my mom and dad. I'm actually, <laughs> no, I, I take it back. I want, I want R, RJ's better because I also want RJ on the pod. We want him on the uh, the pod, so we're working toward that. That's what Cole RJ is going to be like calling Brody. Like he's going to be digging up third on you through Brody is what would happen there. If we had There'd be some really interesting things that Brody would probably share. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's, let's find out who Brody's going to be uh, cheering for next year, you know, and the, the purple and white is Marquise Noel is gone. We need, we need a new guard in case they clearly is after, uh, is after some guards here looking to fill the spots they have could, could potentially be one more spot open on the roster. We will see. Uh, what happens with that. I know there's been some speculation about that. But for right now, I mean, Aaron Estrada, um, the transfer guard from Hofstra, seems to be very high on K-State's list. He has K-State in his final four. Uh, Tyler Perry from North Texas. A lot of speculation originally that he would follow Grant McCaslin to uh, to Lubbock. That hasn't happened yet, and seems like uh, K-State may be in the thick of that. And then, um, guys, I'm screwing up his name again. Max Admus. Aceman. Acemas? Isn't it A-B-M-A-S? Uh, the B is silent. Get to know the name when he suits up in the purple. Acemas. Yep. Acemas. Okay. All right, Max Acemas. I literally, you guys told me that before we did it, and then I went back and looked up his name. I was like, there's a B in there. I swear to God. Like, So, okay. Max Acemas from uh, Oral Roberts is one of the most sought-after players in the portal. Uh, let, let's start there. I mean, those those seem to be the three. LJ Cryer was another one from Baylor um, who... Jerome Tang recruited, and it sounded like K-State was going to get a visit there for a minute, but he commits on his first visit to Houston. Um, so that that's where things appear to be as far as the guards go. How, how do you feel, D.Y., about the hierarchy of, of what K-State is seeking there? Yeah, I think they wanted L.J. Cryer, so um, I think that was an L, so to speak. But uh, the Tremont Mark one from Houston, they committed to Arkansas. I don't think that was ever something that they were pouring a lot of energy or attention into, so... That wasn't an L. And then I think it's the three that you said there. Um, I think those are the ones that they are hot after the most. Uh, Tyler Perry, Max A. Smith, and Aaron Estrada. I would probably, I don't know if there's a hierarchy um, in terms of how they are differentiating those three. There probably isn't, to be quite honest. But I think I would feel better if I was a K-State fan about leading Estrada and Perry right now than than. Uh, that Ace Miss, just because there's less information about Ace Miss, but um, the one that I think is really trending in the right direction, at least in the last 24 to 48 hours, from what I've been able to discern, is is Estrada. Um, and obviously, the other the other programs in the top four for him are what Cincinnati, Alabama, and Florida State, I believe. Um, but yeah, and I've I've even heard that there's there's quite a bit of momentum towards a uh, potential visit being scheduled in the very near future with Estrada. And I think I saw he tweeted he's going to announce a decision on April 29th in response to actually he he, quote, he uh it was it was actually part of a thread that you tweeted dy and he quote tweeted a K State fan um so uh, interacting with K State fans uh, I, it, yeah well no Cole 
if we're going to talk about social media, that, never you, mind. Your yeah. your your entire beat here is Instagram stalking these guys, and you did it to perfection last year, and it got us Keontae. So I need your I need your Instagram stalking report. Well, uh, what I would say is Max Asmus followed Marquise and Jerome Tang um, first out of the gate after entering the portal on uh, Instagram and uh, had not followed any other coaches or players at other teams for a few days. Recently, he followed a Texas assistant, and this morning he followed a Florida State assistant. So there's your later Instagram stalking report of Max Asmus. Uh, Aaron Estrada is a New Jersey guard with uh, New York roots, and he follows Marquise. Marquise follows him on Instagram, uh, and a lot of the coaches now, I believe, follow Estrada uh, on there as well. And then Tyler Perry has a, a large following of K-State people, Jareem Dowling being at North Texas, um, you know, being part of that and coached him for a season in uh, Denton. Uh, so there's a following there, and then uh, we haven't talked about Jesse Edwards yet, the center from Syracuse, but we'll get to him as well. And, um, you know, he's a guy to, to have an eye on. But, yeah, from an Instagram stocking perspective, Matt Cleveland of Florida State, uh, really talented wing, 6'7", 200-pound sophomore, entered the portal last night. Yurik Malagy followed him on Instagram. He followed back. Uh, so, uh, again, at Charlton Young, coach at Missouri, uh, was the lead recruiter for him to Florida State. So I know, D.Y., you thought – Maybe he could go to Florida or go to Missouri. I don't, I don't know. There's not a lot about his recruitment yet, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll see where that one goes. They're chasing a lot of different dudes. And so I, in my priority order, it would be Asmus. He's the number two player in the on three rankings of the transfer portal. He's the number one player available currently. <laughs> uh, he would be my number one guy. He's a He was the leading scorer in college basketball in his sophomore season. He's got over 2,500 points in his career. He started 123 games at Oral Roberts. Very experienced, meets the criteria Jerome Tang wants. Um, just brings all the different facets. You want 39% career three-point shooter on over 1,000 attempts, 89% free throw shooter in his career on over 500 attempts, uh, over four assists per game this year. Veteran guy. And Rob Douster of the Field of 68 tweeted when he entered the portal a week and a half ago, this could be the next Marquise Noel this next season. So there you go. You know, he's six foot guard, uh, but I, I know DY doesn't feel quite as confident just because there's not as much info out there on, on Asmus and everybody's going to be, be after him. Let's be honest. Uh, but he would be an ideal fit. And then Estrada right there as well. And I think you could do Asmus and Estrada if they're willing to play together. Uh, I, I think that would work. Estrada is a six, three guard, really good rebounder. He's the number six player in the portal. So you guys should be thrilled. K-State fans with him. And then, Jesse Edwards, another guy they're chasing, the, the number two center in the portal, uh, number 10 player overall uh, in the on three rankings, and Tyler Perry is 28. So is it is the idea, like if you're talking about, now getting multiple of these guys would just be great. I mean, it'd be wonderful. I don't, I mean, I don't think that's going to be easy to pull off, especially if you're talking about a guy that once led the NCAA in scoring and bringing in someone else that's going to score a ton. Like I, I can imagine that being a bit more of a difficult sell, but like, is the thought that Perry and Asmus would be difficult to play together because of the way that, like, you'd rather have Estrada and Perry or Estrada and Asmus, just stylistically, size-wise, all those sorts of things in the backcourt? Yeah, I mean, ideally, I think you'd want some size, but I just think that they're going to land as many of those three as they can. I think, I think they're just collecting talent. 
Yeah, I mean, look, if you're going to tell me that you could get Max Asmus and Aaron Estrada or Max Asmus and Tyler Perry, I'd, I'd probably take that right now. I mean, they they would be short at the guard position. They wouldn't be as tall, uh, but they would be elite offensively. I, I don't I, – my preference would be a guy like Asmus and Estrada just because Estrada is 6'3", and he's a really good rebounding guard. If you actually go through his game logs, he had 10 rebounds against Arkansas. Uh, two years ago, he had nine rebounds against Maryland. He had seven or eight rebounds against Houston in non-con games. He gets after it on the glass. He's had over five and a half rebounds per game uh, this year uh, at Hofstra. So uh, he was the CAA player of the year. Uh, Asmus is the two-time Summit League player of the year. And Tyler Perry is the Conference USA player of the year. And Jesse Edwards, third team, all ACC. So all very good players, best players in their league. Um but I think from a defensive standpoint, like I, I think they would have had trouble this year, K-State, surviving with a Nigel Pack and Marquise Noel combination because of size and defense. Uh, I think they would probably prefer, at least this is my thinking, and maybe I should just say what I would prefer is a taller secondary guard that they land. I, w- I can understand that, but I think there's – there's a little bit of a difference here. I get that he's smaller, but Max Asmus is still like, what, three or four inches taller than Marquise Noel, so we're not really running into that big of a problem. I think Max Asmus is also taller than Nigel Pack. So I, I just think that's probably being uh, emphasized a little too much or, you know, as a drawback, especially you talked about Estrada's rebounds numbers for size. Max Asmus's rebounding numbers are pretty good. He averaged four and a half rebounds a game last year. Well, the point being, I think overall, right, to to kind of put a bow on this portion of the discussion is like, I mean, K-State's in on high-level guys. Like, this is this is a lot different than last year when they had to kind of start from scratch in terms of who they were looking for and, you know, just digging under, pulling up rocks, looking for whatever it is that they could. And, you know, obviously they ended up finding guys like Naquan Tomlin and Keontae Johnson, so it worked out pretty well. But, I mean, these are, these are all, everybody that we mentioned so far, very high level with a high level of talent. I think to me, we're... We're already seeing, and I say this just in part because there was kind of a meltdown from some to the LJ Cryer news. Like, yeah, they lost a guy who was was rumored to be going to Houston for a really long time that went there first and is from the Houston area. Um, I mean, a bunch of different things that they were working against there. I just, I'm, I'm thrilled that they're they're as in the mix uh, for as many high level guys right now as they are. It, yeah, I mean, it's a good takeaway, and. Um... You wonder, and because this is just kind of playing devil's advocate for me, just something that crossed my mind with Max Asmus because we haven't heard a ton about him. Uh, he left soon after his coach did, right? Paul Mills took the Wichita State job. And when it's as quiet as this, and I know people will want to hear this, you wonder if he's just, you know, if it's, you know, a foregone conclusion that he'll just follow Paul Mills to Wichita State. Um, it wouldn't shock me. It's not something I've absolutely heard, but it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I, I would say, John, to your point, I mean, they're in on three of the top 10 guys in the entire transfer portal. And if you look at last year, obviously, Keontae turned into being really the best transfer in America. But if you look at the transfer portal rankings before Keontae was landed, I think it was Desi who was uh, right around like 90th in the transfer portal rankings. And, and obviously, Desi thrilled that K-State landed him. It was a heck of a gift for K-State and a great player for the program. But they're in on a higher level of guys this year um, for sure. And it makes sense with the profile that they developed and, and how great this coaching staff is uh, and their reputation. So 
And what I would say about the Cryer thing, I know DY already mentioned, like, yeah, they, they would have liked to have gotten LJ Cryer, but he's really, and DY's pointed this out on Twitter, on the boards, he's the only guy that they've really missed out on that they were after. And it's important to keep in mind and keep a perspective that there's only been one weekend since the season ended to bring in visitors. Like, they've only had one weekend, and it was Easter weekend, which we know is very important to this coaching staff. Um, you know, there's been a dead period this week from the 10th to April 13th. So starting Friday, they can bring visitors again. But right after the season, and it was Final Four weekend, Jerome Tang was in Houston um, for the Final Four, like all coaches. So they're just now getting to a point where you're going to start to see more and more visitors come in. Just, there hasn't been a big window yet. Yeah, well, and, to, you know, to the to speak to what you said about, like, hey, they've, they've really only missed on one guy. We, we saw the tweet from Jareem Dowling, uh, like, hey, if you're trying to help your recruitment, don't be using K-State. Um, because I, you know, I think that's a, a shot across the bow. A couple guys that we've seen like throw K State in, you know, guys are trying to create a market for themselves. They're trying to generate excitement. They're trying to create a sense of, you know, hey, a lot of people in the portal here really want me now. And so, if you've received, you know, some kind of cursory phone call at one point in time, uh, maybe you throw K State into the mix right there. And again, that speaks to how far this program has come in a year. Like, who last year would have been throwing K State in? as like a filler school to try and generate extra publicity and up the market for them, right? And create more a sense of urgency for them. That wasn't happening last year, but it is now. Uh, because, you know, that's a school that had Marquise Noel, had the Bob Cousy Award winner, went to the Elite Eight, played the best game in the tournament, uh, won the best game in the tournament against Michigan State, and created a viral sensation that's now a, a TikTok trend with the with the little baby. Like, all that stuff matters. And K-State's hot right now, man. The cats are hot. Yeah, I mean, sexy sells, and that's what Kansas State is at the moment. They are. We even got, I mean, I'm not a barstool guy, but, you know, P PFT, uh, who's one of the biggest personalities uh, out in the sports world right now, was rocking a K-State jersey the other day doing their their podcast. So uh, all good things there. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about Cole Mitch and Jesse Edwards. It's also Caden Shedrick uh, from Virginia. Some other guys in the portal I want to discuss uh, where K-State maybe sits with them or what the thought is on bringing them in coming up next here on 3 Ball. A sports network for today's fan. KC Sports Network. Podcasts, YouTube, social media, live shows. KCSN. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so start with Jesse Edwards because, I mean, to me, that's that's a little higher on the list in terms of my priority there. But Jesse Edwards, uh, 
bigger guy, six eleven from Syracuse, just entered the portal. Uh, Cole, what's the what's the scouting report there, and uh, how how likely do you think it is the K State has a shot? Well, incredible wingspan. I mean, look, he's the anchor in the Jim Beheim zone, which we know how important those big guys are in the way that they play their defense. And it's a guy that the last two seasons ranked in the top 10 in the country in block shots per game. Over the last two years, he's averaging 2.8 blocks per game. Uh, last two years as well, from a scoring standpoint, 13.4 points per game. Uh, over that time, uh, this year, this season in itself, he was third team all ACC averaged over 14 points per game 10 rebounds and nearly three blocks per game and over those last two seasons scored 752 points uh, which i already mentioned was you know an average of 13.4 per game also 73 percent of the free throw line and 140 attempts this last year experienced guys played 95 games starting 56 this will be his fifth season of playing college basketball uh, so just a, a really good piece he's the number 10 player and the newest on three transfer portal rankings, really the top center in my mind that would be available. This would be a dream get for Jerome Tang. I mean, he can move, he's agile, and man, he can go up and dunk the ball. And he's got tremendous length that can really project shots. And I, I you know, on the front, Edwards, I, just looking at the whole profile of the guys they're chasing, if you guys look at it, they're all older guys. Like Jesse Edwards is in his, gonna be in his fifth season of playing college basketball. So is Max Asmus. So is Aaron Estrada. He'll be entering year five. And Tyler Perry has only played two years at North Texas, but he came from the junior college level. So this will be his fifth year of playing college basketball too. So I only point that out because they're going after experienced players. And we met heard Jerome Tang say on the guard front, they wanted guys that had played 90 games of college basketball. So it makes a lot of sense with, with who they're targeting. And it makes a lot of sense for what the roster currently is now that you had five seniors and in, ish leave. I mean, it's young, right? Your oldest players are Cam Carter, David Gasson, and Naquan Tomlin, who haven't, you know, been at Kansas State for long, haven't played a lot of high major basketball, a lot of minutes yet, just one season, really. So uh, a couple for David Gasson. So I, I think that they wanted that experience, but I also think it was just out of necessity because those, you know, one year transfers that they lost, they don't necessarily had the guys ready to step into those rules yet. They needed they needed to get older. One of the first things that Jerome Tang said when he took the job, get old, stay old. Get old, stay old, indeed. Caden um, Shedrick from Virginia uh, would, would fit that bill too, a guy who's played three years of basketball, um, obviously with a very good program in Virginia. But interesting one to me. So, like, he's listed at 6'11", 231, I'm seeing here, but he only – uh, he pulled down four rebounds a game, six points, four rebounds a game last year. I mean, I don't know, to me, lower on the priority list there, Cole, but also one that, that has been mentioned in K-State. Well, K-State's at least somewhat involved. Well, his minutes got cut down during the season, and then he kind of came on late. He was he was playing well early in the year. Then they got cut down in the middle of the season. Uh, he was a top 70 recruit out of high school, I believe. Uh, he visited Duke, I think, the weekend before. I don't know if he's a take for Duke yet. Uh, Texas, Xavier, K-State, and Missouri, I believe, are the other four that were listed in his top five. Um, you know, I I think he's a guy that can block shots. He's got good length. He can move a little bit. But uh, I, I would definitely have him beneath Edwards. But Edwards is going to be coveted by everybody. Let's be clear. Now, K-State has a shot at him. Um, you know, I, I think that 
Edwards is reportedly going to visit West Virginia this weekend first, but hopefully K-State can get him in on a visit in the near future as well. Um, Shedrick, I think, would be kind of that backup option, which when you look at the schools chasing him, you know, it wouldn't be a, a bad backup option, right, when you're going up against some of those power programs that that are going after him. So clearly people see something in Shedrick, and I think in a different role, getting out of that Virginia system that's so defensive-minded, you know, he could probably be a 10-point-a-game guy and, uh, you know, hopefully get better on the rebounding. I don't know what his rebounding rate is from a percentage standpoint based off minutes, but that's uh, that's certainly not a great number when you look at that. You'd, you'd like to see that make a jump and maybe in a different system. I think when you look at the portal, we talked about this last year, that's a lot of it too, right, is stylistically the fit. And some of these guys are going to flourish if they get into a different system. And I, I could see that happening with with Shedrick. And I could see that happening with Tyler Perry, even though Tyler Perry was the Conference USA player of the year. North Texas plays such a slow pace, one of the slowest paces in the country with McCaslin as the coach. You know, he didn't get as many shots up. They're not that offensive-minded. So, you know, maybe in a different system, he gets even more shots up. I don't know. I, I, I would take Shedrick, but I think Edwards is their priority one. I've also kind of made that point on both on the boards and I think elsewhere is that you can't just look at the numbers when you're in the trades for portal because some guys' numbers, the good ones, won't translate. We we saw some of that in the past, right? Some guys that really dominate the low, the mid major level, um, when they when they bounce up, it it doesn't come with them, right? The the increase in caliber of opponent dictates a little bit of what they are doing from a productivity standpoint. You also have the adverse of that, where some guys get into a system where they just flourish, like Cole said. And you kind of mentioned, they kind of jarred this loose for me. Uh, leaving the Virginia system has been can be a good thing because they are very, very defensive-minded, slow possession, slow-paced uh, team. Remember when Shayok isn't he the one that left Virginia and flourished at Iowa State? I kind of yeah. remember that. Now, I don't yeah. think Kate Cedric is going to be Mario Shayok, but th- that's one that came to mind. And even Davion Mitchell, right, when he left uh, Auburn for Baylor and played for uh, Jerome taking Scott Drew and Waco. Don't bring up Shayok, D.Y. It brings back flashbacks of him hitting that corner three in the Big 12 tournament and then fans going nuts. Yeah, but you know, Big Twelve tournament. I mean, well, you know. that's true. That doesn't even matter. We don't. Who care cares? Yeah. Who cares? As, as as someone who just who had a stupid meltdown after the TCU game and then experienced the run that was the NCAA tournament. I mean, just night and day, no comparison. Yeah, I, I wish they can have Kansas City. That's cool. We'll take it's we'll crazy. Take just remembering that guy's crazy. He had a crazy good year for them. That's yeah, he was great. He did. He did. Uh, okay. Anything else in the portal that I'm that I'm missing here? D.Y. or Cole? No, I I think maybe, yeah, like, I understand following Caden Shedrick a little bit, where, although I'm just not sure if anything shakes out from that. But the four I've kind of, like, pinpointed are Perry, Ace, Miss Estrada, and Edwards, at least of now. But there's still guys jumping in. Like, we brought up the Forest State transfer, Matthew Cleveland. So there's more talent going in seemingly every day. Um, they're not, they're probably not going to bat a hundred, a hundred percent on those guys. So we'll, we'll likely hear other names too. It's just, you know, they say the situation's fluid, but that's actually accurate, um, in the sense. Yeah. Let let me, let me address one more thing here, just because a lot of people, 
I think we're reading into like Marquise Noel has been tweeting some about NIL and making sure that that everybody supports it. And obviously we had Curry Sexton on here recently. LJ Cryer goes to Houston. And I think after people saw that happen pretty close to a Marquise Noel tweet about NIL, people are wondering like where K-State's at in NIL. Uh, but it, I mean, it seems like, am I accurate in saying D.Y. that that does not appear to be the primary reason for K-State losing out on Cryer? Again, a guy who was rumored to be going to Houston from around the area, all that. Yeah, I mean, in the case of Cryer, I would question whether NIL was really a driving force behind that, though I'm sure he's getting compensated pretty well by the Houston Cougars collective or or whatever. Tillman, Tillman, Tillman for Tata. I mean, they've got that Tillman for Tata. It was just like a massive. I mean, that guy's got more money than almost anybody. Yeah, not me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but can't stay NIL wise. This is probably how I'll phrase it. Is it a disaster? No. Is it where it needs to be? Probably not. Yeah. Well, John, you had the great interview with Curry Sexton of Wildcat NIL. So K-State fans, if you haven't checked it out, give it a listen and, and see what you can do to support them. Give a little bit if you can, if you're comfortable with that, that certainly would be great. And and we know there's also, you know, donors operating outside of the collectives too, right? That uh, happens everywhere. So I think K-State is okay on the NIL front. I think Cryer being from the Houston area, wanting to stay in the Big 12, them getting the first visit, them being a top five team in America the last couple of years. I mean, I think that all played a part. And oftentimes in these things, it's it's the team that gets the first visit that usually lands these guys. And so that's why it's important to uh, get guys on campus as quickly as you can. So, um, but yeah, I don't I don't think NIL played a huge role in Criers. Front of be lying if he didn't get something. I'm sure he got a very nice package. But I think K State could have been competitive. All right, we're going to take another break, come back, and uh, I'm just going to ask D.Y. has been boots on the ground covered in spring football. We'll, we'll see if there's anything interesting coming out of spring football so far next. You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. You know, there are actually a lot of exciting things happening, K-State football-related here, but they've been kind of overshadowed by basketball season and now the transfer portal, but you've got three – three cats that will have a chance to uh, certainly be drafted. Two that may be drafted in the top 50 was looking at Mel Kuyper's top 50 the other day, and both Julius Brents and Felix Andy DK Uzama made it into that. And then, of course, we have spring ball going on with Avery Johnson uh, actually here on on campus playing and looking great, by the way, in the, the photos that we've been able to see. Um, plus, just life without Deuce Vaughn uh, begins for this this football program. What's What's been the vibe, D.Y., around, uh, around spring ball so far? I think it's everything's going to plan. I think it's, there's so much organization and structure and a finished product feel about Kansas State now, um, where it's become mundane and, and very systematic and like a well-oiled machine kind of like type deal. So uh, I think, and I say boring or mundane, but I mean that in a good way. Um, battling a cold a little bit, so I'm sorry, but. I think that they just have everything in place that they want to have in place. And now they're like feasting on the fruits of that labor that when they made that switch, which started in 2020 and then kind of culminated in the big 12 championship this past season. I, I'm not going to predict another big 12 championship. I'm not saying that, but I, I just because of talking to people, seeing them work, um, hearing what people are saying, getting the vibe of the program, I have a hard time seeing them take a dramatic step back. 
Um, I don't, I know it feels like a, a little bit of a rebuild in a sense where maybe this is that year where you only win six, seven, or eight games. I do think they're capable of more. Yeah, I, mean, I thought Joe Klanderman's comments to you guys in the media last week were really enlightening as well, talking about the steps that Will Howard's taken in the offseason, taking it up another level. And how about linebacker, D.Y.? I mean, a position that we were very concerned about going into last year, and now I look at all the names. I think you listed them out, and then I'm like thinking, I mean, Asa Newsom's not even not even here yet. Like, it, it's the most talented that position's been in the Chris Kleiman era, right, in terms of depth and quality. Yeah, I don't think it's even a question because when you're going to start Austin Bull you're going to start Daniel Green, you brought in Terry Kirksey and you go to really be probably at the time they played on him probably being the starting Mike linebacker and then Daniel Green comes back. So now you feel like you have two starting Mike linebackers, right? Austin Moore was quite the revelation last year at the will and you, you, you have plenty of depth behind those guys too. I mean, Desmond Purnell might be the starting same linebacker, but he's going to get pushed. I mean, they have Jay Clifton, they have Toby Usinsami. As you said, there's Issa Newsom. I mentioned Terry Kirksey. Rex Van Wise at Juco had that they got. He's still pretty young. I don't know if he's going to be the type of Juco that comes in and has a dramatic impact, but he's there. Like I said, Purnell. Gavin Forche had snaps last year. There's just, I guess, the drop-off from the ones to the twos and from the twos to the threes is not, nowhere near where it was this time last year. So that group has probably made the most progress from a roster quality standpoint. Um, I, I'm, I came into the spring probably a little, little bit more worried about the defense just because linebacker was the only one I felt confident about. And then you had to wonder because you're really losing your playmakers, right, at the other spots. I mean, Felix and DK Uzama and Eli Huggins, those were your two playmakers on the defensive line. Julius Brents, Echo Boydeau, Josh Hayes, those were your playmakers in the back end. So um, I was a little bit more concerned about the defense than it was the offense headed into the spring, but kind of been reassured by some of the things that they've said about the defense up front. Of course, it helps that you bring Khalid Duke back down to the defensive line, and they've certainly just been blown away by what he's been able to do since returning there. So that helps a lot. And you still have Brendan Mott and Nate Matlack. And then it really sounds like Gusto Sayamalo has come a long way. Damien Alalio has come a long way where he, he's going to be reliable. And Javon Banks has had a really good spring, and that was the transfer from Mississippi State. Now, I probably still need to be a little bit more convinced about the secondary. I still think there's some holes and some questions that need answered there. Well, you talk about the linebacker room and how deep it is on the defensive side. It feels like the other thing we've heard quite a bit about was Coach is talking about the quarterback room uh, on the offensive side and how good a shape that's in right now. And then, I mean, you, you also talk D.Y. about Blake Barnett, the commit that they have, and how his stock seems to be rising. I mean, they're just – they're killing it at quarterback with Will Howard taking steps forward and then Avery Johnson being on campus and seemingly being the real deal so far. I mean, I know you can speak more to that, but we even saw we even saw Cole's guy Kevin Sutton tweeting about how awesome uh, Avery Johnson is because uh, he got to take in a little bit of practice there, but – you know, Jake Rubley, uh, Adrian, Laura, I mean, all, all those guys, they, they just have they have talent uh, all across the board in that in that quarterback. Yeah, it's the most armed talent they've had probably top to bottom since I've been here from just from an armed talent standpoint. And then when, when people are discussing Avery Johnson and kind of being eye-popping and, and really bursting onto the scene a little bit, 
he's doing everything he would want from him off the field in terms of uh, perfecting his craft from what I've been told. So that I think that's the biggest thing is that he approaches his work the right way. He's putting all the time into it that you would want and then some more. And then when you get to the field and watch, it'll, it'll still be developing, right? He's still you know, learning everything and probably a long way from where it needs to be. I think the most obvious thing that really people latch on to is that his, his speed and athleticism because it is a, a stark contrast to everyone else in that room. And that's not a slight on them. Different styles, right? But Avery Johnson's speed and athleticism as you know, compared to Will Howard, Jake Rubley, um, those guys, it's there's a big difference. And so it can be um, pretty palpable when you watch. I feel like we're going to be talking about this talking point all season, D.Y. Do you play Avery four games and keep the red shirt, or do you have a special package where he plays most of the season and most of the games? Um, not to take Will Howard off the field much, but the explosiveness and dynamics that Avery brings to the fold, does he get a few plays here and there throughout the season? That, that'll that be something that'll be really interesting to hear and talk about and monitor. Yeah, it's probably going to be an ongoing conversation. If I had my druthers or vibes right now or would open on what it kind of feels like, I would still think it's four and red shirt. I, I don't know that they would want to eclipse that and, and lose that year of eligibility. Um, although I don't know what that means anymore with when guys really don't stay in the same school for five years anyway. But I think they would probably approach it that way, and so would I. It would, for me to go beyond that or feel like they would go beyond that, he would really have to take another step forward because I, I don't know that you can use like a like a package in every single game, and, and I don't know how much you want to take Will Howard off. Yeah, I mean, think about a couple things come to mind. One, on one hand, how hesitant they were last year to take Adrian Martinez out, even when Will Howard had been outperforming him. Uh, did somebody somebody talk about that a lot last season or something? Um, and and then on the other hand, they they were willing to work in like even a John Holcomb package at one point in time, but that was at a at a point where they were just they needed playmakers on the field, uh, pretty pretty badly. So I would think it would lean much more towards the yeah being a little more conservative about that unless he's just completely blowing people away. Um, and that just, that gets really tricky anyway to try and manage all that, but good problems to have. I mean, I will take this problem over the, Hey, do we get a John Holcomb package out there? I mean that you're, you're, you're in a better place right now as, as a football program that we're having these conversations. Yep. And the, just the final thing I would say, I know you had to get out of here is it was pretty lighting. Colin Klein doesn't really, keep a ton of praise just willy-nilly on anyone. He kind of seems pretty reserved and conservative during interviews for him to really rave about Trayshawn Ward at running back and Keegan Johnson at receiver. I think that's substantial. And I think not necessarily what we've heard from coaches, but just from what I've heard, just how good the second unit, perceived second unit of the offensive line is just because the entire returning starting lineup came back. You're talking about Taylor Portia, Andrew Lange, John Pastore, um, same hacked even. Um, that's being they they could play nine or ten guys on offensive line this year. It's that good of a group. You're getting me fired up, DY. Predicting another Big Twelve championship. I'm gonna say college football runs through Manhattan again at a night in Tanners after a big win. I'm gonna have too many drinks. So yeah, man, I'm excited. Counting down to football now. 
All right, if you guys are keeping track, both Cole and Derek have predicted a Big 12 championship already on this show. <laughs> I, I am responsible as the host. I've got to be journalistically responsible, and uh, I will not be doing that here today. I will not be doing that. You just leave that pin to those two. Uh, all right. We appreciate the work of Jordan Foote uh, producing this thing, as always. Thank you to uh, our friends at Holiday Distillery, 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday mm. Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Go check it out uh, and get ready to go uh, for the spring, summer, whatever it is that you're doing. Make sure you support those who support us. For Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to another 3 Mob. We will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.